This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's More Liver Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, news, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at More Liver Podcast. We are More Liver Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and a lot of other podcast uh, platforms. Uh, this week, I'm joined by uh, the Chinese Lensman, who is at the World Test Championship still, uh, not watching very much cricket. Evening, Doug. Now then. Doing your mileage, uh, isn't it? Doing your mileage. Expenses time. Not much mileage this week. Not much mileage in a cricket oh, either. Footballs to the stadium. Nice. Uh, Still going to claim it. <laughs> new, newly 40-year-old man, Ben Eustace. Welcome, Ben. Not to Hello, 40, I'm not there yet. You're old. Yeah, believe it or not, Russ is the youngest one out of the four of us. I know, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it to look at me. It is bad. You know what? Uh, Ben, he's got you a present because he's teeing himself up for one. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, mate. Next year. Uh, the farm vet. Welcome, Phil. Housewives favourite. Yeah, how you doing, guys? You're looking resplendent in a in a farming gilet, Phil. Yeah, I'm rocking the brains today. Got, Love it. I think, I think I've got three different shades of brown going on. I bet you've got Chelsea boots on that are brown. No, actually, I've got my slippers on. But... Uh, disappointing. And Still last but... <laughs> last, last, but by no means least, and by popular demand, this man has got uh, an incredibly healthy knowledge of 1980 Sylvester Stallone movies, and amongst other things, uh, I'd love to welcome former Exeter Chief Chris Bentley to the podcast. Welcome. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, like I say, we we had a few nominations. I think your dad got in touch and said they wanted more Chris Bentley. Um, I think I don't know whether it was the phone call or the uh, the excited bit at the end when you nailed it. Yeah, but, uh, I, I just went a bit sort of Ferris Bueller with um, yeah. Uh, where's Chicka Chicka? What's what's Chicka Chicka from? I, I've got I've obviously got it from the <laughs> like, Mighty Boosh, but it's 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 a throwback, isn't it? Yeah, I, I thought you. 
It's eighties cop films. They all over the chicka chicka at the end, didn't they? Chica. Oh, I loved it. Loved Hang it. Old chica, cash. chica chica. Yeah, exactly. Just got to throw that in there. Love it, love it, and and I want to take something up with with the guys from last week is the fact that none of them have heard of Over the Top, which I was more than bitterly disappointed about. I was I was listening to that in rage, like guys, there's, he's he's there and his son doesn't love him and he wins him back because he can do arm wrestling and he turns his hat round when he goes over the top with the thumb yeah. whip. Amazing! It is the most amazing film. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is just he had a glorious period. Is it, is it a documentary? It could have been. It may, based on a true story. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So, anyway. Can let's... I just remind people that Russ is actually the youngest of us here and would have been five when that film came out? Yeah, absolutely. But I went for a phase, like, probably when I was, I don't know, maybe about 12 or 13, where Predator, where I watched Predator, Commando, Over the Top, they were all in that sort of era. First Blood, maybe it was a bit earlier. Was there. Oh, Cliffhanger was much later. That was mid-90s, early 90s, mid-90s Cliffhanger. But that was, uh, I mean, Cobra was mentioned last week. I mean, well, that, chewing... <laughs> chewing uh, Cliffhanger was when you were 11. Mate, was it? He does look the oldest. Yeah, exactly. Stop You've gone through a number of films there. You've got Predator, where they're fighting an alien. Yeah. You've got Commando, where they're fighting communists. You've got Gra Cliffhanger, where they're fighting gravity. And then you've got the arm wrestling movie. Can you, can you, can you see the difference? <laughs> well, slightly, slightly. I mean, like you say, we, we've got Cobra, which was the disgrunt disgruntled street cop trying to protect a, a, an eyewitness from a drug gang. But yeah, it's fine. Robocop, Robocop was the other one to add into that, although it wasn't Stallone. But yeah, that was class. Anyway. Can we right, just turn out Eddie Eddie at the moment? Are we trying to outdo Eddie? What, Eddie Stevens? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to start off on a bit of a whim and then get into some actual rugby. And I'm still disappointed. I don't know whether he'll listen to this. Um, I'm hoping he will. Um Oh, here we go. Well, I'm hoping that he's going to message me back in a minute. JB from uh, the Egg Chasers, everyone's favourite neutral, was supposed to come on this evening. Um, hopefully he still will. But we're going to kick off talking about the Exeter Chiefs versus uh, Sale Sharks. Uh, I mean, you could call it a massacre. Yeah, it, <laughs> would, it wouldn't be far off. I mean, over those two games, we talked about it a bit last week. And Chris, I know you called both results. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll allow you to, to bask in that moment of glory in a, in a second. Um, but even even when the lineups were announced on Friday, did you have any trepidation as to as to how the Exeter Chiefs were going to play on Saturday? No, you, you knew you knew Chiefs had it in the bag. There was Sanderson's interview post game after the first game. He was he was done. He had nowhere to go. He'd gone with his gun team. They were on the edge. And then Chiefs just found another gear and went through them. And as soon as they lost AJ McGinty, where all the all of the invention came from, that was it. They were baked. And and JB, God bless him, he said, you know, um uh, John Luke Dupreeze or whatever his name is, he's got all the, the ingenuity and, and 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 skill of his brothers. And it was it was true. Like he didn't have anywhere near the vision. It was going to be route one, and Chiefs. If you if you try and take on Chiefs in a physical battle, you'll lose. I mean, yeah, you're right. And and the score, whilst the scoreline may be flattered, say at a touch, 
those two tries that came pretty much, well, the one that came directly from the restart yeah. and the one that came from the turnover at the restart very sort of soon after a couple of phases actually put a little bit more sort of gloss on it for sale than, than there actually should have been. Phil? Yeah, I think um, actually if you if you look at the first 15, 20 minutes, Sale didn't have anywhere near the intensity of what they had last week. And it was almost like they were all beaten in their heads. So whenever Exeter had the ball, they were they were probably two yards short on the chase, trying to put them under pressure. Um, and it it's yeah, it just showed from the very start that that they weren't at the races. But I think actually losing Capstick fairly early on and bringing Armand on did Chiefs the world of good. Um, I think he actually made Sale a lot more honest when they had the ball. He's a bit more of a... of A, wily, a bit of a wily cat as well. Yeah, well, it, maybe. But also competing at the breakdown a little bit. Sale went in, in fairly quickly with their um, traditional, we're going to hammer one over the top and then going to keep ham- hammering you out wide. Um, and Armand being in there just it slowed the ball up a hell of a lot for them. And, and just meant that they were playing a slightly different game to the one they wanted to. And yeah, Rob, Rob D- Dupree, Dupree's is um, shit. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think no, I've, been firmly, I've been firmly put in my place when we did that ranking of the tens, I must admit. I, I got Dupree's. Dupree's, we're going to just call him Dupree's all game. I think that's probably there's, fair. There's, there's one thing I know, it's what a shit ten looks like. And you got it. You got it nailed on, Doug. It's um, like goalkeepers that wear tracksuit bottoms. If oh. your ten's got, got pubes for hair, then it's probably shit. <laughs> he looks like a, a real shit Seth Rogen, doesn't he? Um, let's talk about like, that first... Three. Yeah. Um, that first sort of five minutes, the uh, Tuolagi yellow card, where uh, Richard Chapstick, as detailed by Premiership Rugby... Uh, caught one in the chops, and uh, and as you say, Phil had to go off. And then within well, within a minute of that, Cowan Dickey goes over. Um, Sale never really recovered from that, Ben, did they? And and it was all a little bit. Well, they were just a bit timid, a bit tepid. You know full well I haven't watched any rugby this weekend, Russ. But... <laughs> I do. Um, well, it doesn't help, does it? Having a yellow card after four minutes. And um, it looked like, to be honest, both teams did struggle to defend the sort of tap and goes from close range. Um, but, you know, my main takeaway from it is the Channel 5 highlights aren't very good. <laughs> but is that, I was, is that I was Mark expect- Durden Smith? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the presenters are brilliant, but it, it was literally five minutes of each game. So, um, and because there were quite a few tries in both games. I can't really go into much more detail than that. That's fair. Although I didn't think I think I I <clears throat> I didn't think that was a yellow card. To be quite honest, I got to say I got to say, but my, my analysis of this situation is that as a self-proclaimed nicest man in Cornish podcasting, the least you could have done for the uh, two most important games of the season so far is watch more than just the highlights. Well, I mean, I'm not self-proclaimed. I've never called myself that. That was that's Russ. But I literally watched the games while I was filming a test match. <laughs> <laughs> What's your excuse? I think that says 
I think that says more about you than it does anyone else, Doug. <laughs> it says more about the test match that he's I'm just filming give it than it to does anyone else. All, all, all night because he got a nice rugby shirt and I didn't. <laughs> so just just for the listeners and uh, for Chris, obviously, it was Ben's birthday on uh, on Sunday, the big 4-0. And I thought it'd be a nice idea to, to chip in and we could get him a little present. And with it being a Lions year, we got him a, a Lions jersey. Lovely stuff. But unfortunately, it was Doug's birth, 40th birthday two years ago, and he hasn't forgotten the fact that he didn't get a present, and he's a bit bitter about it. So, you know, and, and he will um, continue. I think you're all cunts. Well, <laughs> and he will hold a grudge. Incidentally, Russ has also sent us all calendar notifications for his 40th, just so that we don't forget. And one for a month beforehand. Buy yeah. present for Russ. Unfortunately, I'm there's, buy, no, I'm there's buy no good a, talk. A 12 sleeve of uh, top flight golf balls. <laughs> those, those top flights are worth their weight in gold, mate, I tell you. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, let's get back to the game. Um, the Tuolagi yellow card. Uh, Chris, what do you reckon? All, all the Rob Baxter uh, in, rhetoric in, in, in the, the week. In the current guidelines, he should have been sent off because it was reckless collision with the head. And, uh, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It was clumsy. And for me, uh, having played at a decent level, I've I've found it really difficult all year because ultimately, you have to be a little bit reckless because it's no longer contact; it's collision. And you know the coaches refer to it as collision. If you're colliding with 17, 18, and nineteen stone men, you have to launch yourself at it. And if there's a slight deviation, Tuilangi wanted to put his shoulder on, was wrapping his arm, Capstick stepped, and he caught him. And and. <laughs> It's going to be really difficult to to legislate for this because little Timmy's mum sees it and goes, I don't want my boy to play rugby. And you've got this CTE thing going on. Uh, it, it, they've got to do something, but what they're doing at the moment is wrong. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've, I've said it before, I'll but, say it again, fuck Timmy. Fuck Timmy's mum. I agree, but the problem is rugby's got an expansion. This is, this is a big topic now. And I've, having been in the commercial side at Chiefs for six years, rugby's trying to expand and grow the fan base. You know, when, when I played at the county ground in the first instance, 3,000 was a big crowd. When I finished, 10,000 was a big crowd, which means in the last eight years, there have been 7,000 people, or 8,000 people have rocked up. Um, can I, can I take... My maths is shit there, by the way. Sorry, my maths is never as strong. There's all those head collisions. Judging by yeah. You've probably got CTE, so... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was never knocked out. I've got a really thick skull and I've got a load of fat on my head. It's like evolutionary. It's really weird. <laughs> or I've got paper skin. I've had like 120 stitches in my face, all from being shit at fighting. But I've never been knocked out. I, I used to win fights because people had punched me in the face. And I was just standing there, why'd you do that? And they go, fucking hell, I can get him. And he didn't move. <laughs> but it's, it's, they're trying to grow the game. They're trying to get a greater support base. They're targeting the kids. And somebody in RFU Towers have gone. We've, we've we've got to stop these big these big shots. I think that this is rugby union. I think there's so many where you go. It's a rugby incident, uh, and and I'm, I'm gutted for Big Dave, um, and I'm gutted for Skins because they're both going to miss. Dave would almost definitely have been an odd for England this year in mm -hmm. the summer, and Skins is going to miss um, Scotland. And you just think, was there any malice? Was there any intent? No. Could they have done anything differently? In Skin's case, absolutely categorically no. And he's now going to miss international caps. Uh, just think, what a bag of shit. Just, just sorry, Please. Phil. Just going back, just going back a week then, very, very quickly, is the fact that I, I've been thinking about this. Did Sam Skinner get a red card because Dave Viewers didn't? 
I can't help going back to the fact that Carl Dixon looked at that at halftime and went, oh, shit, I fucked up there. If somebody else gets one in the second half, they've got to walk regardless. And it, it was almost, you know, they cited Dave Ewers and then it, they'd already sent... Um, They'd already sent Sam Skinner off. Uh, so, yeah, they've already sent Skinner off, so they had nowhere else to go. And the the article in the Guardian today was it today? The article yeah, in the Guardian, Michael, Michael Ormwood, yeah, around the the punishments and and all of that sort of stuff. Actually, you know, maybe that's where it needs to be looked at rather than the the on field stuff. Well, and I think. The way you originally led into it, Russ, was was about Baxter's comments. And I don't think Baxter's comments were that Tuolangi should have been sent off. It's actually the the inconsistencies in the basis that what he did was not really any different to what either of the guys did last week. I think subconsciously, you're probably right, Russ. I don't think it was a conscious thing from Dixon, but you're probably right that there's a bit of subconscious evening up. But the point is that you can go and do something pretty bad and you plead guilty to it and you've got a clean record and you get a three-week ban, or you slightly mistime something and you say, actually, we're not convinced that should have been a red card in the first place, and you get a four-week ban as a result. Um, and, and the inconsistencies of it is where it's wrong because rugby seems to think that it has this higher legal responsibility when it comes to, to, to disciplinary actions to the point where it applies laws in a more stringent way to the court, the way the court system does. I mean, the courts would have looked at that, whether you plead guilty or not, and gone, well, you've done something slightly wrong, so we'll give you a slapped wrist. We're not going to double it because you you plead not guilty. That's not the way it works. But um, And coming back to the, the whole CTE thing, Chris, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Part of the biggest problem is the people that are, that are suing PRLRFU, whoever, on the CTE thing, they they were playing ten years ago, and since then a lot has changed, and the game has got a lot safer. And actually, if you make changes, you've got to give it time to see whether it whether it makes a difference or not. There was a chat on a um, Twitter group that we've got about the the trial in the championship, looking at lowering the tackle height, showed a thirty six percent increase in concussions, but that occurred because they only looked at it over four games. It's not enough time to look at it. Um, and the changes have happened. But the biggest two changes they could do are play fewer games. And if you do get concussed, give you a decent period off. Don't have it that you can come back and play eight days later. Um, and pretty much any doctor would say, yeah, that's sensible. Yeah, agreed. Go on, Doug. I'd just like to pick up on the point about how Exeter's crowds have gone from 3,000 to 10,000. Well, 12, 12 now, isn't it? Uh, well, I'd like to see statistics in how participation has dropped from grassroots rugby because the only place you're going to get those um, 8,000 fans is from people that are already rugby that no longer play. I, I would I would tend to disagree. If you look at some of the comments on message boards and what have you, some of them people don't have a fucking clue about rugby. <laughs> what do we actually want? <laughs> They're just there because it's... There's genuinely, there's a few thousand that are floating, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is, this is the nature of professional sport. There's people that are going for the occasion, and they just want to cheer with the crowd. They want to All do right, their... so let's go for the occasion, whether people are getting lamped in the nut or not. Yeah, yeah. So uh, why... Well, yeah, but this, this, this is the point, is we, we need to have a real deep dive into... We're, we're going off topic here, um, but it's, it's, it's the same as Simbin in props that are shit. 
Um, yeah, I said this a few weeks ago, right? Props getting simbinned yeah. because they're shit or yeah. because the rest of their scrum shit, but they're the one that's getting binned for it. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Why yeah. not bin the second row? Oh, mate, because second row is race. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it's just... The difficult thing is intent. You know, it, it, did any of those lads intend to, to get it wrong? No, they were trying to put a big shot on. Um, but it's just... It's it's the legislation after the fact, and these boys getting banned for a period. That that's what really makes it suck. Um, a, a bad tackle Skinner's... jumps out on the screen, doesn't it? Even yeah. if you're watching it on the telly, you can see them and you know they're going back. Whereas, take the Skinner one for an example. When the when the video referee comes in, you couldn't have told where that tackle happened and how far they were going back because, apart from the one angle, there looked nothing wrong with it. It's 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 really difficult. It's Frankenstein's monster because rugby players of today are just so far removed from even my generation. They're just they're just thoroughbred animals. I was I was up at the club today and and just mooching about and I, I sort of saw Franny. I mean Thomas Francis is like a human only bigger. Like he genuinely, <laughs> he is fucking ginormous, and you don't realise how big these men are. So you get I, I'm a big I'm a big fella, but they're just on another level. They're yeah. ginormous and they're uh, thoroughbred. And it's the it's the athleticism, isn't it? It's the speed, the athleticism, the fitness, the strength. Yeah. I mean, you've only got. We'll get on to Joe Marler in a minute. You've only got to look at his performance at the weekend say, today. Are, are they a bit more cunty? No, they're less. They're, they're, <laughs> less cunty. I, I, I got I got five simbins in my first year at Chiefs, all of them for throwing punches, and um, cunty. And, and, and Rob Rob. Hero. Rob actually put the evolution in in about 2010, where he said, "Right, if it kicks off, grab people and pull them close to you, because you can't. They can't punch you hard, and you can't. You can't throw a punch. Just pull them in close." Whereas back in the day, you went for it. And I was, as I say, I was at Dick Manley's funeral today with John Baxter, Paul Baxter, Trevor Harris, proper hard men of Exeter Chiefs, and they were reminiscing about. I mean, rugby back in the 70s and 60s, people just used to fight. Literally, they just go and have a fight. That's but what now, I love it. Although, although you talk about cunty, sorry, I have to butt in. The best bit of cuntiness in the universe was in the the Quinns Bristol game. Joe Marler, about ten minutes in, gets tackled on the Bristol twenty-two, and he goes to push the ball back on the ruck, and he pushes it deliberately into Sinclair's face. And then when the ball rolls away, he drops his elbow into Sinclair's face, and it was subtle as anything. I thought, well done. And I'm around the video. I showed it to my wife. I said, look at that. He's been absolutely <laughs> shit Amazing. Like I. The amount of times I've seen him like grabbing people's earlobes or just like pulling their beard and stuff like that at the bottom of rucks, it's. I've got, I've got one for you. So I didn't play much in the Premiership because I wasn't really good enough. But on one occasion, I came off the bench against Quinns, and I did a tackle and I swung round and headbutted uh, Jim Skaysbrook and split my head open. Um, and there was about five minutes left in the game, and the doc came on and said, "Look, you're going to need stitches, but if I take you off, you ain't going back on." And because I didn't play much, said, "Well, can I stay on?" So he chucked a load of Vaseline in my head and strapped it up. And about two minutes later, I got stuck in the bottom of a ruck. And Marla was on top of me, and he must have been a kid. And he just put his elbow in my head where his hole was and just started rubbing his elbow. And I was sat there going, mate, why are you being such a dick? And, and I've disliked him ever since then. Well, like, you're, my, you're my pal for that. For that. I've listened to his podcast, and I've, I've grown to like him now. I think he's all right. But up until then, I honestly thought he was an absolute dick. And I used to watch him go, what a dick. Yeah, but he's he's the kind of dick that you'd rather was on your side than the opposition, because his whole game is about putting people off, and he's yeah. the best. He's the best that there is at it. 
Yeah, he, he gets, he get, he get. Well, of this generation, I would. Yeah, I would yeah, yeah. The, the ex the Chiefs aficionado is might remember Danny Port, who is the ultimate prop, an absolute, just a horrible human being. He used, to, he, he used to sit in the changing room and say, "I'm like a weed. I thrive on neglect." <laughs> <laughs> that, that, they are. You say like horrible human being. That is like such a badge of honour. They are the oh, best people, I would, aren't they? I would, I would go into rocks head first with my elbows out, and Porty would be parallel with me, feet first, piling it. <laughs> he was on. A, he was. He was on another level. I, I, I can I can give you can I give you an anecdote on Porty? The more the better. So we were play, I wasn't playing. Uh, Chiefs were playing Worcester. It was the year before me, and uh, Worcester had loads of money and they had six ways and it was in the championship and everyone was going on about Worcester being amazing and they had Kingsley Jones back row a nuggety Welshman, and he was chopsing off like he was the big man, and someone had, had, had hit him and he'd split his head and he'd gone off for stitches and he'd come back on and he was like, "You can't hurt me. I'm indestructible." Uh. About a minute later, Porty got him in a mall, grabbed the stitches in his head, ripped them all out, and went, I can fucking hurt you. <laughs> oh, God. <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> they took him off. That's a horrible story, but honestly, as rugby players, it was ace. So little Timmy didn't like that. I, I don't mean this disparagingly, but you can't imagine Dino Lamb doing that, can you? No. But Monday players can't do it. There's, there's videos and everything, and, and it, it doesn't happen. But, you know... Every generation thinks. I look at the, the top generation now; they're so much better. Yeah, uh, they, they, they're better because they're better athletes. They don't have time to be messing about. Marler's a bit of a throwback because he has got a little bit of naughtiness about him. Um, but there you go. Just I just needed to give you that porty one because it's just if but you're into be, rugby, it's funny as. To be fair to Marler, he can scrummage pretty well as well. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, let's let's get slightly back to the the extra chief sale game, which you know is is for the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It was never in doubt. It was never in doubt. Sale had nothing to give. They were depowered. Chiefs are like the Borg. If you take one away, a replicant comes along. Resistance <laughs> is futile. Your destruction is inevitable. Yeah, we're we're going to take out the nailed on line starting fullback and bring in Jack Noel, who was absolutely unbelievable for first game back like his his catching technique is just like picture perfect if you were to draw a tech draw a picture of how do you how do you challenge a high ball under con under contest was, it's jack Noel. the one he took on the try in the dead ball area was phenomenal Re- yes. retreating yeah, back yeah. over his shoulder you know what I saw from Jack Knoll? And he played 15 in that under-20s World Cup went inside with Slady at 10, with um, Anthony Watson on the wing. Yeah. And obviously they, they obviously saw that in him. I've said for, a, not since then, but for a fair amount of time, he has got all the attributes to be a world-class fullback. The way he attacks the high ball with intent is something that 90%, the last person I've seen do that is Mike Brown, for especially for England, because he goes into that situation in such a dominant fashion. That's where Elliot Daly and um, and others struggle because they tend to be really passive in that situation. They wait for the ball to come to them, but his judgment and to go and attack that ball and and that that decision for Rob Baxter to, to play Jack Noll at 15 over Stuart Hogg, who, you know, is one of your marquee signings. He's, he's, you know, world renowned, one of the biggest players, you know, in, in the world at that position, you know, could have come in, it could have come back to bite him in the ass, but because it's Rob Baxter, 
he he he's calculated. He he yeah, obviously thought about I've methodically. Got, I've got to further elaborate. How good is Nolsey to come in having not played for weeks and be one of the best he's, players on like? He's phenomenal. You, if, if I hadn't played for three or four weeks, I'd be absolute village for at least a week yeah. while I got my eye in, and he comes straight in, yeah. and he's just shit off. He's phenomenal, and and with the game that Sale wanted to play, obviously they didn't have McGinty's sort of magic. They had to rely on on that sort of territory game, and um, ah, here he comes. Um, he had to, he had to. Um, to come under a lot, a lot of pressure. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Beardmore. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? We are very well. We have the usual suspects, and we also have uh, a good friend of yours, Chris Bentley, with us as well. Ah, Chris, how are well, we? Lad. I'm very well. How's you? Good, mate. Good, good. We, we've been regaled with with stories from days of yore, <laughs> and um, fifteen years ago. Shit. And uh, we've we've just only just sort of started talking about Sale Exeter, and we were just re sort of eulogising, re- eulogising. No, that's not the wrong word. Is that what you do at a funeral? Right right it right is right eulogising. Right, can eulogise yeah. about things. That can I? Right. And that's I was worried about that because I've I've given people posthumous awards before that are not dead, so um, or that are dead. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, either way, it's certainly okay to eulogise over Sell Sell Sharks' hopes. Yeah, oh, well, I mean... <laughs> I think they R- got R.I.P. R- R- sales Sharks. Um, but we were just saying how good Jack Knoll was to come in for uh, for Stuart Hogg, which was a surprise selection. Um, but he took everything that, that Sale and, and Rob Dupree's had to throw at him. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was, he was awesome. And I, I, as awesome as Knoll was, I think the real story was Rob Baxter's uh, stones in order to you know make that selection. Not many coaches would have done that, and I think I said it on egg chasers too. That's what sets him apart: the fact that he can be so objective, stand aside. He watches rugby in the most simple terms, and I think in a world where everyone's trying to overcomplicate things, they could learn a lot from how Rob Baxter operates his team. What would Rob Baxter do? A great question. It's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> Stand your biggest mongo five yards from the try line and say, take a tap penalty and run at a pile of South Africans. Yeah, sure thing, coach. That's one of Luke Cowan Dickey's strengths, though, is that he doesn't have the capacity to go, that doesn't sound sensible. He'll just go, yeah, go on then, I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I'm not going to talk about Luke, but his brother Tom was at the club when we first got the ice bath. And he used to, used to, we'd all be finished training and you just hear this splash, footstep, 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 splash, footstep, 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 footstep. And Tom would spend about an hour just diving headfirst into the ice bath. And you're like, Tom, you've right. done this. And he's supposedly the clever one. And then Tom, Tom is also a, a, an unbelievably good rugby player, but he got homesick for Cornwall living in Exeter. No, you can take the boy out of Penzance. Triple G, mate. Triple G, like he, he kills people. Championship level. That is like it's like GBH. Like he's just unbelievable. Um, uh, uh, but he just got homesick. Had to go home. Amazing, amazing. Um, I was going to say Jack Noel. Like just go back to Jack Noel. The awareness for that try. I, I, I could talk about Jack Noel all day, but the awareness for that try. They they talked about it on comms that he took charge of that situation and he saw it from you know, 30 metres away. And he saw that, that Sale weren't reset and he saw that they weren't switched on. And as soon as Foley 
was in position, he was gone. And he literally was the only person almost on the entire pitch to react to that. It just it just showed its class for me. And it's, it's Chiefs Chiefs are a very systemized team. If you look, they have the, the plays, all the forwards have the plays written on their arm for three phases. When when they start, so from scrums and lineups, they know where they've got to be. And the amazing thing with Nolsey is that the, the, the Chiefs have a system. He gets the system, but he can also operate outside of it as well. And, and he's given the carte blanche to sort of do things. There's two or three guys that are literally told, you know, this is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do. These are the phases we're going to run. But if you sit on, you play, you do your thing. And, and, and it's, it's testament to, to, to his ability, not only to come in cold and be one of the best three players on the field, but the fact that he can do what he does in a very regimented team. Is that, is, is that true about what? the play, about the players on, on, on the wrist? That, that has to be a joke. Really? Uh, look, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm giving too much away, but if you look, no, at no, 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 not at all. You, you carry on. You, you watch the boys when they go to lineouts. Yeah. How all the forwards look at their left wrist. No way. Yeah, most of them have got. Yeah, they got a few phases of play written down, and they know what they're going to do, and they, they execute with tempo. Because one of the things that teams can't defend is, is high tempo rugby. So if you rock up, you go to your lineup, you know exactly what you're doing. Now, if, if, if something happens, you break the line or something, all bets are off, you play heads up. But otherwise, they've got three phases structured that they will run consistently. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, that, I think Russ, Russ and I had a bit of a chat with Jack Yendel about it a few years ago up at a game. Can yeah. you remember that, Russ? Yeah. Jack, or, or as I called him at the Premiership yeah. final, Jack Yendel. Jack Yendel. <laughs> I, I, you led me into that, Phil. You wanted me to say that, didn't you? I, I did, yeah. Okay, right. Um, JB, obviously, thanks for joining us. Where Pleasure. do you think that Sale shot their metaphorical bolt last week and and put all of their cards on the table, so they had nowhere to go this week, especially uh, with no AJ McGinty, no um, Cam Neald. Do you think it was it was all a bit sort of one dimensional for Sale? No, I don't actually. I, I don't think that's what, what happened at all. Uh, I think that what Sale came with was the exact right strategy to beat last week's Exeter Chiefs. But you know, you're into a game theory scenario where not only are you paid to beat the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are paid to beat you. And I think the the reality of the situation is that Chiefs were just better prepared for what they expected Sale Sale to bring. Uh, there is a you know a clear situation here of. Master, and I think Alex Hamilton is a master, but just this time around, the matchup didn't work for him. I don't have any time. JB, toilet. Yeah, have you climbed in a biscuit tin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone else, he, he has. Gone. He's gone. I think this is more a story about exactly how. Oh no, JB, what are you doing? The, the the consummate pro on his own podcast. As soon as he comes in someone else's, he doesn't need to. Doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. The um, oh, where was going to go? The restarts were a little bit of an issue uh, for the Chiefs. Um, Sale obviously sort of targeted that area um, to try and play high tempo when they had the opportunity. Um, but as we said at the start, it was very much those periods of play, if they if they didn't execute those, the scoreline would have been vastly, vastly different. So 
you know, where can Sale go from here? Do you think? I mean, it, so, it is. So, sorry, did did you hear anything which I said before? No, no, not at all. You you disappeared down the toilet. Right. Sorry, uh, my my phone just connected to Bluetooth. So I'll start again. Right. Uh, first of all, I'm going to answer your question about um, did Sale um, uh, shoot the gun a bit too a, a bit too early? The answer to that is no, not at the slightest. I think the Sale team which showed up on Saturday was a perfect Sale team to try and beat the Exeter team from last week, but. As much as Sanderson prepared for last week's Exeter team, Exeter were preparing for what they expected Sale to bring. And I think it's a little bit of a case of Master and the Apprentice. Rob Baxter is currently the Master. Alex Sanderson is an incredible coach. But I just think in this one particular game, he got outcoached. And I don't have any time for the argument that, hey, we're missing AJ or we're missing whoever it is. Because Exeter are missing players too. In fact, the whole point of professional rugby and having lo- loads of people in your squad is that you're going to be missing people, except Harlequins, who seem to never be missing people. Um, so, no, I, I, I think this is a purely a story about exactly how good Exeter Chiefs are rather than anything else. Do you not, it's, um, sorry, do you not, do you not think it's a, a story of how good Exeter are at diagnosing oppositions and um, oh, reacting to... Um, 100%. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more a victory for Rob Baxter and his team than for the players on the pitch. They they saw what Sale had to throw at them because they gave it everything last week, as we chatted about last week, lads. I, I think that Exeter went away from that game and thought, well, we know what they're going to do. We'll prepare for it and we'll just be better than them at it. Yeah, uh, there's a... There's... An economic saying, which is there's no there, there, there's no solutions, only trade-offs. And it wouldn't surprise me if when Exeter finally win, win the championship and we get to talk to Rob Baxter again about this one game, if he just gives us a very simplistic answer about what he thought Sale were, were going to do in the second game and how he counted it, I think it'll be something really, really obvious. So in the first game, it was a really obvious one, which uh, Sale pulled out of the bag, which is we do not let Exeter play in our 22 ever because all of their points come in the 22. And lo and behold, as soon as Exeter started scoring points, where was it? In the 22. Uh, Sanderson is e- equally as capable as, ba- um, as Baxter in some respects, but it just didn't come off. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Baxter will have looked at that game and said, right, we need to do X, Y, Z, and then his team go and go, go execute that. I think the, the thing so- with Baxter is quite often if... Um... BT catch him before half time when they have their their manager interview. Yeah, the twenty he'll minute have, coach break. He'll have already if Exeter aren't playing that well in that time, he'll have diagnosed what the problem is by that point. And he usually te- he's usually got the stones to sort of tell the guys on the commentary what he's going to do at half time. And and nine times out of ten that works. So I think if you give him a week, I think yeah, you're both right. He's going to come up with a game plan. He's not going to you know fall into a, into a trap that's that's already been sprung once, you know? Yeah. I was once talking to a coach, right? Um, a relatively high-level coach who was doing uh, RGC. So RGC is like the fifth region of Wales. And this right, coach... Jamie, is, they... Jamie, before you get into this, why are they called... What does RGC stand for? Because I see this. Does it, is, is there yeah. anything... Because everyone always says RGC, and I'm like, what? I know the North Walians are a bit peculiar, but what is that about? Rugby Gogleth Cymru, which means Rugby North Wales, RGC. Right, okay. That's it, yeah. You should, only, uh, you should have asked uh, Lon, uh, Lonsdale about that one. 
Oh, mate, yeah, but Lonsdale's the anti-banter. He's got nothing to say, ever. Uh, <laughs> Genuinely, I used to have him on hospitality, and I just have to, I'd say, like, if you, don't, if you don't give me something, I'm going to take the piss out of you. He'd be like, okay. I'll do something. Oh, fun vacuum, that man. This coach, right, was telling me about how his team were going to play next year based on the statistics which were gathered by all the teams in the Welsh Premiership and then was distributed throughout all the teams. And I thought, you know, that's very interesting. But shouldn't you be doing your game plan based not on what you see these stats to be, but the reaction to what you think the other people will see these stats, stats to be? And I think that Rob, that Rob Baxter sort of thinks things like that, which is it's not he doesn't react to what he thinks they're going to bring. He reacts to reacts to the reaction. Does, does that make any sense whatsoever? Yeah, it, it absolutely it, does. It totally it's, it's also part, probably part of the reason why they struggled in the early years in Europe, because you just don't get that as that much an intimate knowledge about how the coaches are thinking. And I don't disagree with anything that you've said, JB, other than you can't honestly say that Rob Dupree is, is an adequate replacement for AJ McGinty. Um, no, and that if, a, if AJ McGinty was there, then the game might have been closer. Um, and... Closer. And yeah. and Christ, every everybody's got a salary cap that they need to stick to, apart from Saracens, obviously. Um, but uh, and you can you can choose to spend that how you like. And top quality world class tens are not ten a penny. So it's it's not a criticism of of sale or their recruitment policy or whatever. But it, it was a it was a factor that definitely played a game. And Don Ar- Don Armand in for for day viewers via somebody else. Um, is probably a better replacement than Rob Dupree yeah, for AJ yeah, McGinty. But, but let's let's get it right, Phil. Like when they bought Dupree in, or Dupree's, when they bought Dupree in, um, <laughs> AJ AJ McGinty was by no means the number one. I, thought, I mean, they bought no, Dupree no, in to be number one, didn't they? He's yeah. he's become an integral. AJ McGinty has become an integral part of that team. Like, but is that that's that's coaching style as well, though, isn't it? Isn't it that AJ McGinty his game plan suits the Sanderson game plan better well, than Dupree. I'm not entirely sure I know what the Sanderson game plan is. I'm not being facetious there either. I really don't know what it is. Like, I don't think Sanderson coaches in the same way that Baxter does. So, you know, whereas we're talking about, yeah, systems, processes, systemized teams for Exeter. Yeah, I've been watching Sale for quite a long time now. And maybe the defence is a little bit more systemized. I honestly do not know what the attacking pattern is. To this day, I do not, I do not know. Um, so, does AJ McGinty fit the attacking pattern? I don't know if he does or not. However, I do know this. AJ McGinty, since um, Sanderson has arrived, uh, I mean, he's always been a hard worker, but I think that's what Sanderson does. Rather than systemize the team, he makes everybody work that little bit harder, usually by inspiring them. And I can tell you now, by listening to the guy in the press conference, you finish it and you go, oh my God, I would like to now go to the gym or take cold showers or go practice my kicking or do what do whatever it is. So I think those are the two ways that these two coaches operate. Samson's all about, um, if you think about it, bottom up, make sure everyone is pulling their weight, make sure everyone's being the best they can be. Whereas I think Bax is very much top down, which is, hey, look, this is the system and we all, you know, we'll all fit into that. So I'm not saying there's similar rhetoric from both coaches and a lot of coaches are starting to clue into this. Everyone's as big and as strong and as fast and as quick but it's them top two inches. And, and there was a lot of words like emotion and, and Baxter often refers to love 
and, and mm. these these are the things that that that, are, that make the difference. And it's what is one of the big strengths of the Chiefs above everything is that they genuinely love each other. This group of guys, like they, they all want to knock about together, and and Sanderson's going to engender that. You feel that he's 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 at the beginning of a journey with with Sale, and he's going to do bloody well with them because he, yeah. he's got the DNA of the Northwest as well. Yeah in him and they will be a force but it's just a year or so too early for him yeah Doug, you want in yeah um i don't want to like i know you, you played rugby for the chiefs in the premiership i'm not going to stand here and say that the whole journey with this with that the sanderson speak it boils my piss to the end of the earth it's, <laughs> It's, you're on a journey like how long does the journey last Steve Diamond was on a journey he never I got there you know I mean? it, it, ta- it takes time to engender because they are ge- genuinely these guys are so they're all look, you can't fault the preparation that these guys go through to, to, to build themselves into absolute monsters but you could see after 20 minutes sale mentally just weren't as sharp as Chiefs. Chiefs were throwing themselves into everything. Like absolute but we've been saying all year that, that Sanderson's brought in an atmosphere of like his engendered but, spirit. But, but, it, but like, it, takes while to, it takes a while to trust in that system and know that you're going to be looked after if you get it wrong or something happens. And, and, and you know, Baxter, his outspoken behaviour last week when two of his boys got in trouble um, in, in the post-match interview, that that's a coach standing behind his team. Absolutely, I, I agree with you, but I also think that that is something that coaches know how to do now. It's not always been the case, but that that's yeah, something they, that, they know how to do it, but they don't do it. Yeah, well, and Rob does. You show me a coach in the Premiership that doesn't do it. Uh, well, pretty much everybody else when they've had players sent off has not been. Every, out, but, I mean, every headline, every boys headline. Boyd does it for Saints. Bloody. Alan Partridge does it at Worcester. Uh, <laughs> Fellow at Gloucester, I've heard do it. Skivington. Yeah. So, uh, Quinn's Nick Evans or that weird um, Billy, Billy you know, Holland, manager that comes yeah. out and speaks sometimes. Yeah. That, Billy Nellard. The, the fruit and veg manager um, from Tesco's. Um, that They all do it. It's all a thing now. My my thing with well, it. Sorry, can just just clarify a second. What is the thing that you're referring to? Like not all all players out under the box. They all say we're on a journey. They're all say like this saying. Apparently, learnings is now a word. Oh yeah. yeah you don't you don't lose. You learn. Yeah, yeah. you learn. You don't do. I I didn't go to school to do my learnings. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, like the, the actual word <laughs> like, learnings. Oh learnings. Um, it's it's all in. It's all utterly utterly infuriating and bullshit. I it's do agree very with you. Anything to back your players and say that you've done the right thing when you're pumping people up the arse every week, like less uh, like like extra have been for the last five years, because you've got better players than everyone else. The fact mm-hmm. is, Sale lost this game because they lost their best player. If AJ McGinty was playing, they probably would have been in it for longer. And you for can back the losing. fact is, if your players are fundamentally less good than the players you're playing against, the chances are you're going to lose. Yeah, but doesn't think, matter what taking, your journey is. Yeah, but I, I think taking one of fifteen away, I you could see in their demeanour after twenty minutes that game Chiefs were going to win. Chiefs were always going to win because and, 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 and whether, whether, whether they they get it done. Again, probably because they knew that Rob Dupree wasn't going to get it done. I don't know, but this, this is the point: top two inches. 
and this is the emotion and, and, and the care that they have. They, they look at if you look left and right, and you know that the bloke next to you is going to do everything. He's going to die for you. And Chiefs, Chiefs, man for man, there's so many teams you would take, other than probably Nolsey and maybe Dicky, you'd probably swap players from most of the teams for Chiefs players. But as a unit, well, that's what I was, was going to say. I was just going through one to fifteen in my head, and most of them you'd throw one one tear away, one. Um, Exeter's way. You wouldn't say that Maunders a better nine than Faf. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, Devoto against Tuolangi. And, and I, this is the thing I struggle a bit with, with Tuolangi at Sale, is last week, I don't think they used him a single time as a crash ball. This week, I think they might have used him once, which is his real strength. They they used him as a dummy three or four times, but it's almost like they, they've got him there, but they're scared to use him in case he Breaks. Especially when they had Tuolagi and um, Van Rensburg in the midfield, you would have thought that the, all they would have been doing is pumping balls Pump straight up, up the, the middle, middle. All, yeah. all day, but they didn't. Can I be slightly controversial? I don't think Sale missed AJ McGinty as much as they missed Akko van der Merwe. Mm. I genuinely think he is a he. He offers something to that team whether through leadership, through carrying, through just general busyness, that I don't think that they had. But I don't think they they had it because Exeter negated that part of their game. I I just think Sale missed Van der Merwe. I just think they genuinely missed Van der Merwe. He's been excellent for them this season. And I think they probably missed him, in my opinion, slightly more than they did McGinty um, because of the way they they tried to execute that game plan. Um, Overall... An incredible game of rugby. In fact, two games of rugby against yeah, two sides. Hey, I'm 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 absolutely one-eyed extra Chiefs supporter. The Chiefs game was nowhere near the Harlequins Bristol game. No, but but they but they were they were great games in different ways. Now yeah. let's move on to to Quinns versus Bristol. Ben would have hated Quinns. Oh, ben, ben Ben is very much a a nine-six man. Um, yeah. In the yeah. mud, at the wreck. Everybody keep, in that keep everything corner. very organised. That's yeah. that's the way to. Play. I mean, yeah, there's has none there, of that. Has there been? Well, there's there's never been a more bonkers semi final. I struggle to think of a more bonkers match this it's, season. Saints get Leicester. It's the biggest comeback in Premiership history. Is it? Yeah. Wasn't um, Bath. I thought it was like was it one of the Wasps games the biggest game uh, comeback? No, Wasps, Wasps and Irish was twenty three points, and yeah. Bristol Quinns was twenty eight points. My God! Now I know it's more more entertaining, but was it better? Was watching I, two ho- horribly flawed teams exposing their flaws really? Exactly yeah, more. I I don't think it was more entertaining or better. I, I, I found it less entertaining. To the be biggest confusion, the biggest confusion for me was why he took Atwood off. Yeah, like you, 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 all you've got to do is just take the take the heat out of the game, land a couple of balls, give the ball to keep Atwood land it, and just stand there and just but, stand there for two minutes. Do but that's ball. that's where Bristol and their that's where their their game management. Quins were Quins had their tails up in early in that second half. They scored two tries. And all Bristol had to do was just keep the ball for a yeah. bit, go through, like Sale or, or Exeter would have done, just keep it tight, just rumble through some phases, buy a couple of penalties, and away you go. But well, they continued to go through the... And whether it's whether it was um, 
I'm trying to think, arrogance from Bristol's part to think, well, we'll just keep playing the way we're going to play. And that was there and that was there and doing, you know, at the end of it, because they kept trying to go wide very, very early on in the piece. And Quinns were, Quinns were ready for them. They were every single turn after that first half an hour, Quinns were ready for them. And Bristol, from the point Max Malins dropped that kick, Bristol did, they, they looked lost. I think yeah. Pat Lamb. I think Pat Lamb lost it. In all honesty, I think he he panicked very early in that second half and started making some fairly rash substitutions that, yeah. that didn't necessarily make sense. But you know, you said it, Russ. The first half an hour, Quinns were so unbelievably narrow, and I think part of the reason they were unbe- unbelievably narrow is as good as players like Don Brandt and Kenningham and. Um, who's the other one, uh, Lorday, are at parts of their game, they are flipping slow in defence to get round the pitch as a back three. There was It was one of the tries, I think it might have been Morahan's try, who came straight from a line-out. Lorday was at the back of the line-out, ball went to the back, and he stood watching the line-out while the ball gets shipped out down to the 12 channel. If he's If he's drifting out into that channel like he should have done, the rest of the back line drifts out one more, and you don't have that overlap. Um, Explains why Exeter let him go, right? Well, I, I, yeah, Baxter obviously didn't want him to. Didn't seem as that, that was a salary cap. Future, it was a salary but, cap because um, he, he was getting offers, and Chiefs were we, we, we ain't going to pay it to you because we've got to yeah. get that money. But, yeah, but, but if Dom, it was that good, they'd have paid him, right? Uh, you got Sam Simmons. Yeah. You'd like to keep him, like we'd love to keep you, but we've got this kid that's going to play for the British Lions. Yeah. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah. But, but, and it was, it was the same with, uh, oh, it was Malin's first try, scrum, scrum uh, ball, and uh, who was it? Urine makes a dummy. Care follows him, which I mean, Healy said that that was Care's fault for not staying in the in the block, but. Your job as a number six on a five meter scrum yeah, with, a, with a tight blind side is to to nail that number eight if he picks the ball up, and he was still bound when Hughes was passing the ball, like that. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Quinns were defending so narrow is because is because they have to. And Bristol went, that's fine, we'll just go round you. But and then Pat Lamb, as I say, I I think he lost it. I think he lost control, and went and made a load of rash decisions of, of who to switch in and out. It, it looked like all his leaders because Luatour was gone and and Piertau Piertau someone put the elbow into Piertau's face yeah it was, excited. it was I don't know why nobody spotted it I, I was like someone getting sent off there yeah I, I thought the same there actually I've forgotten yeah. who it was but it was like it was a proper elbow raised bosh good night on a carry just a yeah yeah and it was it was extended like, arm he's in trouble there. And, and no one, no one picked up on it. I was, I was amazed. That's the the the, um, the main problem with the way the game's refereed at the moment, isn't it? There's five of those incidents every game that don't get picked up. Because mm. mm. the, they're, they're not high tackles. Head snaps back. You get a sending off. So I, just um, just talking about the um, the reason why Quinns are so narrow. The reason, well, you, if you mean on on defence, yeah, okay, I'm with you. I also thought they were very narrow on attack as well. And it boiled down for me, the fact they couldn't go over the game line. And yeah. then it was like they needed to relearn what rugby 101. I, if, if you can't go over the game line, well, that's one thing. You then need to take care of your ruck. And they weren't taking care of any of the rucks. They were getting turned over within two or three phases. 
And without the momentum going forward, they just got lost. And the polar opposite happened to Bristol in the second half, which I, I love, actually, because for all of the offloading and you know fancy stuff which both teams do, it's predicated on one fundamental thing. Basic rugby, get over the game line and then clear your breakdown. It's dead easy. But the old the old saying, you you earn your right to go wide, don't you? You you suck yeah. a defence in, you get quick ball, you go wide, you go round them. Whereas like Bristol of of this nasty habit and Leicester nearly exposed them for it a couple of weeks ago. Um Exeter actually did it extremely well when they played him at Ashton Gate a few weeks before that, when they just counter upped them. Yeah, all over the park. They just exposed. They said, "Well, okay, we'll let. We're going to let you go wide. But as soon as you go wide, we're going to hit you hard." And I think that you know Br- Bristol's insistence on being on un- whether it's unable or unwilling to change that to go through some phases to then go wide, which you know is essentially been their undoing in the end. Ben, you want in? I, I was just going to say. I think we probably touched on this in. Last week, you know, in between saying Harlequins were going to get absolutely battered and that Bristol were best in 13 of the 15 positions across the field. Um, we did also say about that Leicester game where um, the back three literally ran everything back and, and that almost got them in trouble against Leicester. And, you know, Quins are a much more potent attacking threat than Leicester at the moment. And, and it, you know, it, it did cost them then. Um, and it's it's cost them in this game as well. Um, but but still still a surprise, I think, judging on our predictions from last week. Yeah, absolutely. But where it cost Bristol, where where you say about running the back three, running everything back, where it cost them is that when running it back isn't the best option, their tactical kicking in that position in that situation isn't very good. <laughs> do you know? Um, do you know when they did become a good ta- tactical kicking team? Both of them. The first three minutes of the ex- of the extra <laughs> extra time. time. <laughs> it was in- amazing to watch them both turn into I don't know Warren Gatland's Wales for three minutes. Yeah. You know, the, the type of rugby that Bristol probably should have been playing early in that second half that yeah. they did in, that they did in that in that extra time. Um, I've I mean, seen it a number of times actually where Bristol get out to a really good start and then run out of ideas. Once your position adjusts, they, there's there's no there's no answer to an adjustment from Bristol. It, it, I'll be honest with you. No, there's, and, there's a perverse sense of joy because Bristol, like Saracens, have got humility and honesty on their stand and they're so far from humble and honest. <laughs> really, it really pleased me that humble Pat Lamb, who got found out the previous week lying, his oh. team were all acting like kings of, kings of the walk, cocks of the walk. And then they totally got their asses felt. It there, was, there was quite yeah. a lot on Twitter as well after that Pat, Limit, yeah. Pat Lamb incident where um, a lot of Bristol fans were, were saying how that showed that they were mentally winners and they were definitely going to win the Premiership this season and uh, back, backfired a little bit. They pretty much handed Quinn's the first try. <laughs> just yeah. to, Sorry, uh, JB, you go just, Yeah, just to go back to Chris's thing about Pat Lamb. Um, you know, being found out a bit. Uh, I'll just add a little bit more context to this because I was in the press room for Bristol last week. Uh, no, not last week. Um, the week after the Leicester game. And I do enormously respect Pat Lamb. And I think it's important to point this out at the outset that the negatives, which he undoubtedly has, and as Chris pointed out, were on display for everyone to see. 
do not outweigh the positive. The, the, the guy is still a brilliant coach. There's no choice about it. But he did display a different side to him, which I didn't particularly like. And one of the things he, he said to me um, when I asked him a question, so I asked him, you know, he, well, um, we'll just go back a step. He revealed that the RFU are launching an inquiry into what happened on the sidelines at Leicester Tigers. And then he followed that up with, I'm delighted that they're launching an inquiry because when all the facts come out, um, you know, we can see this in context exactly what it all means. And I'll be proved right. And I'm thinking, no, you won't, because we know what all the facts are. We saw it on... Saw I was going to say, we, we watched it live, Pat. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's like when someone says, oh, we need to investigate this abusive tweet. No, you don't. You just read the tweet. You know, there's no... There's, <laughs> there's literally no investigation needed. So, uh, Pat Lamb's delighted about this. But actually, what he meant to say is he's delighted about it because he now no longer needs to ask to answer any questions. So after that, people are uh, hammering away with questions. Sorry, I won't answer that. I won't answer that. So when I asked him a question, I thought it was really interesting. The first thing that he, that he said was, sorry, who are you? I was like, oh, right, okay, fair, uh, fair, fair enough. And I really disliked the fact that although he had an inquiry going on, which is obviously going to talk about the laws of the game and were they adhered to, he could have quite easily have said, I treated Ian Tempest badly. I will never, I will never do, 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 do that again. Uh, and it's below the standards that we set for ourselves at Bristol Bears. And if you'd have done that, I would have forgiven him basically everything which happens in the heat of the moment. Because in the heat of the moment, anything can happen. But right. the easy thing in the world would be to say, yeah, I was wrong with Ian Tempest. And that was it. That would be it. I don't need to ever hear about this story ever again. Yeah. But you said, like Chris said, the, the humility, the the honesty and integrity that they have at Saracens, you know, the going alongside what they, the guys at Bristol sort of try and stand for and, and try and yeah. portray, it just flies in the face of all. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't follow rugby because everybody's got honesty and integrity. I no. want, people want to see winners. People want to see them going into bat for their teams. Oh, you, but equally, you want to see... You, you, it's like something out of The Simpsons. You, you've got to scrap lights in to win. Every inch matters. But yeah. if you get found out in a lie, yeah. as, as JB says, put your hand up and go, do you know what? I was being a dick then, and I'm sorry. Right, yeah. we can move on. That that's fine. But the fact that he doubled down and doubled down and doubled down, it was just it was quite sweet that his team got pumped. Yeah, up. I agree. Everyone's that's... honesty and integrity until they realise how much they're winning. <laughs> just, uh, I don't, just on the honesty and, and integrity, <laughs> just on the honesty and integrity thing. By far the most interesting thing about Sanderson, which I found out so far, like all of his uh, chats are really interesting. All of his walking up mountains are really interesting. All of that, super interesting, yada, yada, yada. But the one thing which really perked my interest was how he speaks about Harlequins because he truly and deeply hates them. And there's no hiding it. And that's a little bit of like the mask slipping. He's talking about love and brotherhood and then Harlequins show up and he batters them. It's like, yeah, don't understand them, don't like them, never have them. Yeah, don't... Harlequins are the complete antithesis of, of the coal miner that is Exeter Chiefs and, and what Sale are becoming, which is, yeah. we're all, you know, it's, it's all about it's all about the group. Whereas Harlequins are like, fuck it, Danny Kerr's amazing with Marcus Smith. Give him yeah. the ball. We'll just have yeah. that eight, we'll have that eight, nine, ten access and everyone yeah. else could just slot right in. Yeah. Look, I, you know, <laughs> Everyone knows how I feel about Harlequins, but what I will say is that um, if they end up becoming more like Nick Evans, it won't be a bad thing. Yeah. How, how, how do you feel about Harlequins? Tell me. Um, I fucking hate them. Because, Why? Because they're... 
so there, there's some protecting my job stuff going on here because there's certain players that don't treat the media with or the camera Ooh. with the respect that they should probably get um or just the media in general with the respect they get and it, it's quite funny that they're now using that to their advantage using that very platform to their advantage i, I think um that's wrong but I've had a steak with Nick Evans, and he's a lovely bloke. So, edited to save Doug's job. So next to him, I'll be I'll be stood right next to you. The two of us and one of him, we got him on. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Chris, that'll be one and a half men. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You fat cunt. (laughs) So, but what I will say, like, so. Be like yeah, Lord of the Rings, leave, wouldn't it? I'll leave. I'll leave that in. I'll leave that bit in. What an incredible individual performance from a front row forward for ninety-five minutes. He was it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, did, I'll be honest. It was. It was absolutely phenomenal. Totemic, Goliath-like. However, a pound to a piece of shit. He's on toast on Saturday after about half an hour. Yeah. yeah. And 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 this is this is the thing is everyone. I remember the first time Chiefs made it to the Premiership final and Baxter tells the story how the lads did a lap of honour and they were all excited because they were in the final. Quinn's emotionally and physically, they're going to start hard, they'll have a good 15 minutes, they'll all think they're good and then the Chiefs machine will start to go through the gears and they're going to pump them. Yeah, I think it'll be, it could well be the ultimate in sort of boa constriction. It's going to be anticlimactic is where I'm at. I think, I think, there's going to be a 10,000 in the stadium. Quinns will start with a lot of thunder and then they will blow a gasket as they realise that for 80 minutes, just a bunch of mongs are just going to pile into them. <laughs> yeah. Do you not think it'll be the same as the Wasps final last year? No. I, I, I think Chiefs I think Chiefs were a bit cagey in the Wasps final last year because they, they'd had a big game the week before. But I just, I just honestly, I think Quinns might put Esther Hazen back in, but it was Tapawai. Was Tapawai's going to get suspended for putting the elbow into Piertau? Is Esther ah. Hazen back from his ban? Is he is he unbanned now? He's unbanned. Oh, He's oh, ready yeah. to go, mate. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that that gives them that gives them eight eight nine ten twelve then for Quinns. Yeah. And you know we say Ch- Tyrone Green. Chiefs player of the season has been Oli Devoto. And yeah, he's been class. Yeah. Um, to be to be fair, I thought March was decent on Saturday as well. Mm. Do, do you know, here's just a little tangential piece of information for you. Just to mention that then. Oli Devoto and Woodburn came from Bath in the same year. Yeah. And the year that they came over, Woodburn had won Young Player of the Year and Oli Devoto had won Players Player of the Year and Bath still let them go. What idiots. And incidentally, that was also the first year we started recording more over podcast. There you go. And a Bath fan here, totally agrees. <laughs> So I, I, I think that if Tuvalangi and Van Rensburg and a massive, even if he is slightly smaller version of the Dupree twins, don't get any change out the extra midfield. But I say yeah. he's a great yeah. player, but I don't, I can't see him being the difference. Yeah, and um, Slady's it massively increased his his defence, um, but I mean, Devoto is just. His consistency is he's a top unbelievable. Three player every week. Yeah, he might not be man of the match, but he's in the top three every week. 
it's it's funny Look, because all of the all of the chat this season around centres, especially English qualified centres, has been around Piers O'Connor. You know, who's been playing well for Bristol. There has not enough been said about Oli Devoto back in an England shirt. It just it and, 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 and and I'm going to throw this out there: Sam James at Sale outside yeah, centre. Yeah. He's been he's yeah. another. He just doesn't look the part, and he doesn't look the part, but he's fucking good. I mean, and losing I, and losing I wonder him, whether. So um, the Bristol and Sale players, players have been added to the squad today or been announced today who are joining the England squad and Piers O'Connor's name was not on that list. Travis. I'd be, be very much surprised if Oli Devoto's name is not on that list. I think he'll be joining up with England. Mm. Depends, doesn't it? Depends if Eddie's seen enough of him and thinks, no, actually, not for me. Not the right yeah. type of And I suspect that might be the case, actually. Because what I mean, what what would he do? Like, he doesn't replace the big four carriers. He doesn't replace Farrell. So, what is he there to do? Mm. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And mm. and we all know he's got more more passports than Jason Bourne. So you know he can do whatever he wants, can't he? Mm. Yeah, is Devoto not dual qualified for anyone else? Oh, Devoto's not. No, he's Devoto, capped, Devoto's he's capped. He's capped. Is he what a full yeah. England cap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was at well, Bath, he got three or four, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was He was a replacement 10 at one point. Well, he played 10 for Bath quite a bit, didn't he? Yeah. He did play 10 for Bath. The only game I remember him playing in a white shirt was throwing a glorious assist to Sam Sam Burgess's knee, which <laughs> um, then kneed on and scored a two, try. Two he, played, he played two games, yeah. 2016, yeah. Six Nations. Oh. Um, came off, uh, off the bench against Wales. And I don't know when his second game was. There we go. Oh, um, England's opening match in the 2026 Nations. Yeah. 2020? 2020? No. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. yeah, selected a substitute against France. Obviously, didn't get off the bench. We're on the same Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was when we lost to France. That's when Furbank played a fullback, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. You, I, was you, at, I was at Doug's house. You you think he might be kind of Eddie Jones' cup of tea though, don't you? Because he's got a he's got a big boot and he's he's got a bit of size to him. Um, he reminds me a little bit, and I, I say a little bit of Sterling Mortlock. Just yeah, that very kind of, he's got. Yeah. got I tell you what, he's got minimal banter as well. I had him on he? And he Maybe was, that's what it is. There's some of them. Some of the lads have got ace crack, but he was. Are we... On on a scale of Cowan Dickey to Lonsdale, yeah. Where where does Ollie Devoto sit? <laughs> well, did, my last my last game running hospitality at Chiefs was New Year's Eve against Leicester, and I had Devoto and Townsend, and they just didn't want to give me anything, and I just I just had to hoe into Townsend because he's, he's he hasn't got a forehead, he's got a five head. He's <laughs> called the fetus or the prawn because he just looks like <laughs> baby. I do know there was a guy. Um, a back row player called Joe Beerman, Chris. You probably yeah, remember I know Joe, Joe Beerman. He's a very, and, uh, good, very good ball player. He was a very, very good ball player. But when he went to the Ospreys from the yeah. Dragons, yeah, they used I to call, they used they used to call him Prawn. And they when when asked why, he said, "Well, yeah, well, I've got a good good body, but a bad head." <laughs> Wait, the, the Welsh lads. I've been I've, I've got involved with the Welsh lads late in my career. The banter is savage. Nothing is sacred. You, you, they are unbelievable. 
That, that, that's an interesting. Okay, so have you ever heard of the High Performance Podcast? Yes. Okay, so very, very good, uh, good podcast. And the sports psychologist who's on that, if that's what he is called, Damien. Do you, do you know the guy that I'm referring yeah, to? Yeah, I've read it. He did the book. What was his book? I read it. The Barcelona yeah. Way. Don't talk yes, about the that. Barcelona Way. That was it. Very good book. Ah, do you, do, you, do you know the story about the Barcelona Way book? I don't know the story about it, but I really enjoy how he talks about putting teams together. You don't want engineers. You want to have. You don't want to have all high performers because they'll all kill each other. You've got to find that that, that magical mix. You've got to have a commonality. It's. It was. I thought it was a cracking book. Well, it probably was a cracking book. It's probably one of the best books that he's never written. Because it's no longer been sold because he got done for plagiarism. And it's one of the best apologies that, that I've ever seen, which was, um, I stole the work of Daniel Pink and I reserve, um, and, sorry, and I apologize unreservedly. And none of this nonsense, like, I'm sorry if you're offended or I'm sorry that you feel that, that way. It's like, yep, busted. And that'll be that. And he's, and he's, and he's, uh, and he's moved on. Anyway, the point I was going to make was That's that. amazing. And he's now yeah. made a career out of it because he's just. He's like Boris Johnson, isn't it? He's told a lie, but then he moves on real fast and no one notices. <laughs> <laughs> just apologise and move on. This is exactly, I don't know some people who can't apologise. It costs you nothing. It yeah. costs you nothing. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. It makes no difference. So that, that, that's why I quite like the guy because it's like, yeah, okay, the most embarrassing thing in my life has just happened, but got it wrong. I'll move on. Um, but he's actually been around my house to do a rugby league podcast with some of the league boys. And he was talking about the banter in rugby league circles and from what I could tell, the banter, particularly in St. Helens Rugby League, was so intense. I don't think he could understand how these guys even performed as a team. Like, it made no sense to him whatsoever. I think he's very much of the opinion that you all have to be like Saracens and love each other and send each other Father's Day cards and that, that kind of stuff. Do you and not think... Sorry, JB, you, you're, you're, you've been playing okay. in teams long enough. Like, that is the ultimate love. When you are, the, when you are able to be that comfortable with people, that is like the, the higher <laughs> echelon of love. When you can start going on about banging someone's mum or, you know, hanging out the back of their sister or whatever it might be, <laughs> right? That's exactly right. You, that's exactly you take, right. And you can take it without whacking them. Then that sounds that's... like Chelsea in the mid-90s with John Terry there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You're only supposed to say it. You're not supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah. But that, Bill, that, that's exactly my point. All of this stuff is 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 lost, isn't it? If you make a list of the five people that you're the most awful awful to, not on Twitter, then you'll probably get your five best mates. Uh, so yeah, it it doesn't surprise me that the Welsh lads are so savage to each other because I think it's like an integral part of being a team. It was. I went on a. It was a. It was a vets tour. And it was uh, it was Ian Goff and his missus had just sort of said how he'd been beating her up or something. Um, any time, <laughs> time he did anything, about three of the lads just dove for cover and said, not me too, Goffy, not me too. <laughs> it's like, like, it's like, it was the headline of like the, the Western morning, the, the, the Sunday Sunday. And, and literally for the whole week, if he did anything, lads were just jumping everywhere. And if, if he was talking to girls, they got to go, are you all right? Do you need a hand? Are you okay? <laughs> and you're just like, fucking hell, like, this is happening now. He's got kids and it's all going off. And I was like, surely they've got to have something sacred. Nothing, nothing. Which, oh. which is the best way, right? I, I honestly think that, that is the best way. If, if, that... if, yeah, if you've got, yeah, you, but, but again, this comes back to the point we were talking about earlier, Doug. If you've got that tenure and you've been together for a long period of time, you can do these things. Um, and, and it has to be built. You can't, you know, this is where Sanderson will get better because he'll have the time to build into it. Won't uh, make his players better, though. 
I think it will. I genuinely think it will. Is it that small percentage that you the eke out of people because of that sort of relationship? It's well, like you say, the top two inches. It's that that somebody will be willing to lay that little bit more on the line. Are we saying Worcester would be exponentially better if they just had a bit more banter? No, it's the Dave Brailsford effect, isn't it? The Exeter Chiefs changing room is known as a snake pit, bite or get bitten. And I, I won't, I won't, I can't say any more about it. But there's there's yeah. some pretty serious shit goes down there. Got to oh, really? So, yeah, um, if, if you don't broadcast it, I can talk to you about it. But I can't. I can't broadcast. <laughs> so, you know, you know, in the Chiefs, you know, in the Chiefs changing room, Chris, next to everybody's name, they've got a little flag if they've played internationally for that country on a match day. Yeah, when you when yeah. you're getting ready for a match day. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I noticed that there was one player who didn't have a flag next to his name who had played internationally. And had a quick word and mentioned it to him after the game, and he was like, "Shit, don't tell anybody else that, otherwise I'm never going to hear the end of that." Yeah. But yeah, a certain Mister Moon never, never yeah. got any recognition for his England games. How are you men doing for playing? Do any of you men play? Because you know JB's well, turning out in Mooney's test. So, so <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Russ, you are not. You are Russ, not. So, so your own safety. No. I, yeah, I, I, I would. If you, if there is a space, right? If there is any way, shape, or form that I could get on that pitch for even the smallest amount of time, I am in. What position would you be playing? Or fullback, fullback or centre, but more than likely fullback. I, when I mentioned this to JB a few weeks ago, what was it you said, JB? Charlie Hodgson, Mike Tindall, or James Hook? Good luck. And yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, it is, it is the rest of the world because the. the there's there's one back row spot in the in Mooney's fifteen, and then the world, you've got like Rory Jackson, Dave Lewis, Rich Bolt, Charlie Hodson, Tom James. Oh, Rod is Bolty playing? Is he? Say again. Bolty's playing? Is he? Bolty, yeah, Ricky Bolty, yeah. I I would just like Russ to play so that when he walks into the changing rooms, everyone just looks at him and go, "Who is this? Who the fuck is that?" No, did, did you win a competition? Chris, Dan, Dan <laughs> <laughs> Dan, hey, well, Dan yeah. Cole from the 90s. Dan Cole doesn't look fit. <laughs> Are you going to play, Chris? I'm, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm broken biscuits now. I'm water boy. So when you up for a game in October? We're, we're doing a bit of a, we're doing a bit of a charity rugby game. Rugby against cancer, more over invitational. I'm more than happy to run water. I'm more than happy to be in the boat race, take the piss. But I, <laughs> I am retired. I'm. I'm, there I'm, I'm there. There we go. 9th of October, I think the week after the Ben Moon game in Newquay, we're gonna we're gonna have an old school rugby port at halftime, beers afterwards, singing, raising money for rugby against cancer. That's what we're yeah, gonna do. Yeah, in October 9th. All right, done. You, you can Perfect. sit out on the wing. The ball never gets out to the wing. You'll be fine. No, I'd be fear, but I'm frightened. If I'm on the savannah, I shit myself. I need to be <laughs> <laughs> need to be at the watering hole, not on Thank the uh, not bus. There's a video yeah. of me on YouTube somewhere where I get the ball and, and you see the fear in my eyes. I do like a 50-yard run. It's championship days against Cobb. I am petrified. I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm, I'm, run, I'm running at people to try and get tackled because I just don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've got to say, when, when Chris asked me to play this game, I had a little bit of a crisis because he asked me, what position do you normally play? thinking, well, last season, I was playing a lot of tight head prop, but there's no way I'm playing against Ben Mooney, <laughs> the first Ben Mooney in a testimonial. So that now leaves second row. And I bumped into Dean Schofield the other day, who I believe is playing second row, right? Is, is that confirmed? I've, no, I've asked him. He hasn't come back to me. If you've, got, if you've got details on him, I sent him an email. The fucker never came back. And I, oh, really? I, I've never, I've, I've never, 
I've never played against Scoey, but everyone that knows him and knows me says, you'd get on dead well, you two. And I, oh I my saw God. him at a vet's tournament said, we'd get on dead well. And he went, yeah, I've heard the same. And that was all we said. Dean Schofield's an incredible bloke. An incredible yeah. bloke. But I, I, I ran into him in the uh, sale hospitality for the Holocaust game, of, uh, of, of all things. He's JB, JB, come over here. Uh, said hello to him. I looked at him and I'm like, thank God I'm not playing second row, second row next to you. I mean, he's just an enormous, enormous man. So I think the only place I can logically play is maybe as a flanker, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get on to him ASAP because you do you want him on the beers more than anything else. Oh, Top well, have a word with him, yeah. Be that, that, that's all I really want is beers. So I'll just come for beer. Well, the, the yeah, if you need the social, will be off the chain. If you need some water, boys, I'm sure we could provide some of that. Ball boys, whatever. I'll I'll run someone's tea on for him. Is it? Oh no, I've, I've, the, the the water boys is going to be broken players, so it's um. <laughs> well, Simon exactly. Alcott, Simon Alcott and Carl Rimmer. So, nice. Yeah. Is it? It's a chance for them to get in the sheds with the lads. Yeah, get in the trenches. I like it. Yeah. Quite like that, good. Of of holding water from from X pros, yeah, we'll do that. Tubbs, when is it? Second of October. Second of October. Is second, Chris, isn't it? No, fourth of September. Booney's fourth of September. Right, fourth of September. Even better. Uh, I was going to say, I'm I'm doing super. I'm I'm working on the super bikes at at Snetterton. I could have come down and filmed it. All right. Right. Well, if if anyone's at a loose end in. Three weeks' time, we've got the Welsh Charity Vets and uh, Armed Forces Legends at Brickfields. What what day is that? Uh, tenth Saturday, the tenth of July. We'll cap we'll cap with two thousand people. That's, yeah. that's also tempting. That's literally like a fifty minute drive. Let's go. I'll be in touch. Right, um, yes, I think I think you'd have more chance for us of jumping on Ben's testimonial T Twenty cricket these days. Oh yeah. Well. I was talking to Alex about that as well. I said, can I, sh- can I shock you, Alex? I'm quite good at cricket. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, sorry, I got carried away. <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. Right, uh, we're right at the end. As customary at the end of the podcast, we do a bit of any other business. So anything rugby related or not, preferably not, that's anything that's going on that you want to chat about for, uh, for 30 seconds or so, get off your chest. Now's, now's the time to do it, Chris, if you've got anything. What's up, Ben? Oh no, no, I, well, no! I was at Dick Manley's funeral today, and I'll be honest with you, I found it really emotional. He's first England international for the Chiefs, and I was, I was. They asked me and Richie Baxter, as current generation of recent generation, to go and be pallbearers, and I was getting. I'm an emotional character. I was getting caught up in the emotion, and then Pete Drew was doing the eulogy. Pete said, "I first met Dick when I was 17." I thought I first met Mike when I was about 15. <laughs> it, was fine. it saved my bacon because I was starting to cry and I was like, fucking hell. And then, and then everyone just kept referring to him as Dick. It was just Dick did this and Dick did that. And then I heard Tony Rowe, when they were doing a, a tribute at the Chiefs, said, yeah, we need to get a dick, dick pic on the big screens. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But Brilliant. Dick Manley, superstar. What a great guy. Oh, Rest in peace, Dick Manley. JB, anything from you? Oh, he's not even here, shit house. JB, any other business? Uh, any other business for me? No, no, actually none. Oh, actually yes, actually yes. This is this. So I've got one of two stories to tell. Actually, no, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll 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 just say this. On Thursday, I dropped my daughter off. No, sorry, I went to pick up my daughter. So I had one daughter in the car, 
and I went to nursery. And nursery is like a 20-yard walk, maximum, maybe a 10-yard walk from the car to the door and then back again. And in those 10 yards that I went to pick up my youngest daughter, I left my other daughter in the car. Turn round, and there was a woman who'd opened my car door and was now leaning over towards my daughter in the car. Yeah. Take a kneecap, so. Yeah, at this point, I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? So I asked her, like, excuse me, um, you know, what's going on here? And she goes, oh, I was worried about the safety of your daughter. I was like, I think she's perfectly safe. Thank you very much. She goes, no, you've left your ignition on. No one's daughter is safe because it's clean air day. And I was like, oh, my, oh God. my God. So I have had this, this thing, this little bugbear, because like, if it was a... If it's a bloke of the same age, I'd have probably thrown him over the railings. But I can't do that to a woman. That, like, that option is now off, like, off the table. So I've gone home with my tail between my legs. And this has bothered me for God knows how long. But I did notice that she went back into the nursery or towards the nursery to do something. So I assume that she's picking someone up. So today I thought, right, got it. Went, went to nursery uh, and I told the story to the nursery workers. I said, I don't know what she was after. She looked a bit opportunist. But ultimately... Um, She's really scared my daughter, and I think she was trying to steal money from my car. So if you just let all, all the other parents know, that would be great. And one of the nursery workers was like, oh, I think we know who that is. So I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the, um, the email to all the other parents now. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so you just stitched her up as a... At yeah. least you said she's trying to steal some, I, I, steal some money. I not, think I so, yeah. she was going to steal my daughter. No, no, no. I was like, oh, she really scared my daughter. But I think she's, I think she might be after money. Really, really embarrassing. And then all, you see all the nursery workers whispering because they knew exactly who I was talking about. So there we go. Uh, that's, how to, that, that's how to solve a vendetta with a middle-aged woman. Oh, very quickly, my, very quickly, my niece had one of them and she got the number of a bloke that, that she told she didn't want to be with. And she gave, she put his number up. What was it? Was it on um, Gumtree? So, free sofa come and collect this number uh, <laughs> but it was his number and he just got bombarded and, and asked for Abdul and he just got bombarded with people asking for Abdul and his sofa <laughs> absolutely brilliant absolutely incredible uh, Ben anything from you well I mean advice on how to get one over a middle aged woman Russ uh, <laughs> one you could use I'll, I'll bear that in mind <laughs> um, I've got some thank yous to make I think so um as Russ mentioned, it was my birthday this weekend and Mrs. Nicest Man in Cornish Podcasting, who would probably elevate to nicest woman in Cornwall, organised a surprise party uh, for me and uh, also organised a pretty awesome present. So I'm going to Duxford to uh, fly alongside a Spitfire, which should be should be really good. Um, and uh, Russ and Phil managed to turn up and the boys bought me a nice present. So thank you to everyone that was involved. Did my invite get left in the post? You're yeah. in Southampton, mate, not filming yeah. cricket. <laughs> she was also quite worried about someone grassing us up for breaking the COVID rules as well. So, uh, yeah. But I, I should have known that it was probably something was going on when one of my friends asked me if I wanted to go to the local cider farm at 10.30 on a Saturday morning. And <laughs> Sarah went, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go along? <laughs> Suspicious when your missus says, why don't you go drinking at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So thank you to everyone. 
that was involved in that. Some people might even be listening to this, so thank you. Brilliant. Uh, Doug? Uh, yeah, it's been um, seven weeks since my last divorce hearing, and I still haven't got fucking divorced. So uh, just like to say big up to the court system in, uh, in Great Britain, doing really great work at the moment. Um, the, other, the other thing that I thought I'd, I'd say is that, um, I mean, everyone else has gone really, you know, banter, 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 birthday, whatever. Um, I'm watching a French drama at the moment, and it's really good. Literally not loop, not Lupin. You're not watching Lupin, are you? No, I'm not watching Lupin because that would be how they say it. I'm watching a, a, a <laughs> show. how Eddie Butler would say it. I don't know if anyone, if anyone um, has Amazon Prime. There's a a channel on Amazon Prime called Sundance. There's, you can get it for 99p for three months at the moment. Not paying for French drama, mate. Um, and it's called Le Bureau, and it's about the DGSE. Uh, the French Secret Service, and it's fucking incredible. Mate, I did not vote for Brexit for this. <laughs> Baby, if there's one thing you should listen to me about, mate, is tele programs. And this program is. I'm going to do that, Doug. Best program so, I've watched since. Also, as, as a divorced dad, it takes about a year and then it starts to get better. Cheers. So nice. it, 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 it is absolutely shit. For a while, it's real shit, bird. There's nothing. You just got to go through it. You got to keep your head down and keep grafting. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, did... it gets better from someone from someone who can't the other end. It gets a lot better. <laughs> what did um What did John Cleese say about his divorce? He's got a great quote. Uh, after he's been told to pay millions of pounds, he, he apparently stands him and goes, "Your Honor, it's worth every penny." Yeah, well, I'm I obviously don't have the uh, means of John Cleese, and I've I've um you know the the she is clean me out. But seriously, watch um I remember walking out of a house with clothes and going, Oh well, that's um thirty three years of my life that's just gonna she's, stay with her. Yeah. She shacked up with a personal trainer who takes care <laughs> yeah. of all of her needs. <laughs> Drinks orange stuff in tins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's move on before Doug cries. Phil. Um yeah, uh, so I made a bit of a dick move on Twitter the other day, so I'm going to apologise to Alan Dimmock from Rugby World officially, although I have apologised personally to him. But that's that's done. Um, nah, tell Dimmock but... to fuck right off. Tell yeah, him, well, that's, well. well that's, that's where I went wrong, as I did, and it wasn't really fair. <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, I my son told me something the other day, and uh, it's likely to be moderately true. Uh, something he, he read off Instagram, but equally probably not. That apparently somebody was interviewing Sergio Ramos about leaving Real Madrid, and uh, they turned around to him and said, "Oh, have you got any hints about where you might be going next?" And he went, "Well, uh, my son's been helping me to uh, study English, so that when the offer comes from Tottenham Hotspur, I can turn it down." Wait, which, uh, which I just thought, yeah, football banter, football banter. Yeah, well banter. done, dickhead. Um, on a on a football on a football is a Spurs fan. If you don't on, a, on a slightly on a slightly more football uh, tilt, the Euros going on at the moment. I don't know if you ever seen the Billy, the, the Scottish player who tested positive for COVID over the weekend. Who two English players were cuddling on Friday night after that absolutely dour board draw. They're being told to isolate. Well. This guy also has to isolate because he's been tested. But the entire of the Scotland squad 
are uh, are a one. I like the football. If if anything was more broken than football, it's this country. But we won't get into that right now. Fucking nuts. I'm at a hotel in Southampton, which technically is within the uh, ICC cricket bubble. But if you go downstairs, there's about 500 Indians at the bar, all uh, having a good old beer up. Good. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm tested every just, day. So. And, and you're being and you're being paid to watch rugby and French dramas. Yeah. Like you, you could go to a pub and sit with someone, but you can't stand next to somebody and play a fruit machine. Yeah. <laughs> or you can't. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not getting. I'm not going down fucking COVID Avenue this evening. <laughs> We've all been down that road too many times. Listen, right. Uh, Chris, an absolute pleasure. It's been such great fun. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can uh, get you on again soon and we'll I'll definitely try and get to Brickfields and we'll definitely try and ar- yeah, arrive we'll drop, on September the 4th. Drop, drop um, us a DM. Drop us a we'll, DM. We'll do. And we'll, we'll definitely try and get there in September for the Ben Moon game, even as visitors just to... Uh, Come and have a good beer up and, and watch the game and support the cause as well. So yeah. uh, that would be amazing. JB, thank you as always. Great value. It's Ooh. been an absolute pleasure. But thank you, guys. And uh, you three will probably speak next week after the final. Yeah. Um, I just wondered whether it was worth putting a, a plea out and say if anybody does want to sponsor us, they'll get the 20 minutes that's cut out of Doug jeopardising his entire yeah. career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There, there, there is some some edited footage of this uh, podcast. That's our first ever Patreon episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor our kit. Anyway, go well, people. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.